Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Former T.R. Miller head football coach Jamie Riggs shares his views on all aspects of football after a 40-year Hall of Fame high school career. Coach Riggs and his guests will discuss the latest on the local high school and college teams, the current issues that are dominating high school, college, and NFL football, as well as reliving some of the classic moments and history of the game with the people that made it happen. This is A Minute with Coach Riggs. All right, I want to welcome you to A Minute with Coach Riggs. Uh, This is Jamie Riggs, and this is actually episode two of season two that we've started uh, of the podcast. And we are involved in the top 25 T.R. Miller football teams of all time. And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about the number 12 team. And uh, before we get started with it, I just want to uh, to make mention that this week the um, Alabama High School Football Historical Society tweeted out uh, a list composed of the top 10 most successful teams win-wise since 1970. That's over the last um, 50-some-odd years. And I'm going to read that list very quickly and, and check this out. The number 10 team of all time for wins from 1970 on is Realtown. They've had 440 wins. The number 9 team was Addison. Uh, they've won 447 games up in northwest Alabama. The number 8 team is Aniana, just above Birmingham there. They have 453 wins since 1970. The number 17, uh, everybody recognize that's Maplesville. Uh, they won 456 games. The number 16 is Sweetwater. From Southwest Alabama, Sweetwater since 1970 has won 459 games. The number 5 team in wins since that time is the Fife Red Devils from Sand Mountain in North Alabama. 463 wins. The number four team is the Colbert County Indians from up in Leeton, Alabama. 469 wins. The number three team of all time, the Brantley Bulldogs. 479 wins. The number two team of all time, the only big school on the list, uh, the Hoover Bucks. Uh, They've won 496 games. Of course, that was also included when they were Barry High School. And the number one team that's won the most games since 1970, you guessed it, the T.R. Miller Tigers, 499 wins, which is now 500 with the victory uh, over Hillcrest on Friday night. I believe the score was 26 to 20. So, that's uh, guys, that's quite a list. Let me go ahead. I'm going to read out a little information about the number 12 team, and then I'm going to introduce our guest. The number 12 team of all time at T.R. Miller High School, the 1978 T.R. Miller Tigers. They were coached by Frank Cotton. They had a record of 10-2. and two. Uh, They lost to Op 24-13 on the road and 20 to nothing to Uthala. Uh, in the uh, in the play, in the quarterfinals of the playoffs, this was a great defensive team that gave up only 8.1 points per game and recorded five shutouts. They had a huge victory over Atmore, 24 to 12, and y'all can talk a little about that. The Atmore games were huge in those days. Uh, two victories over Robertsdale, won a regular season victory and won the first round playoff victory. They also had wins over Smith Station, Pensacola Catholic. And a good Evergreen team that went uh, seven and three that year, 
we beat Evergreen 36 to six. Uh, we were running five three defense in those days, playing man coverage. Uh, we still were running for the most part the split back veer. Our scoring average that year, we scored an average of 24.0 points per game. We gave up 8.1, so we averaged winning those ten those, uh, those games by a score by a uh, scoring differential of 15.9 points per game. Let's talk just briefly about some of the players. The defense was, of course, led by Dow Altman, played middle linebacker. He was All-State. We also had linebacker and occasional nose guard, Scott Huff. Uh, Chris Griffin was a really good outside linebacker. Charlie German was a younger player that uh, got, got in at Summit linebacker. Uh, defensive tackle, some of those guys were Ronnie Grady. Dennis Farish, who was a really good player. Uh, defensive ends, Eddie Graves. Uh, the, uh, you'll get your chance. Just be quiet right now. The 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 defensive defensive backs uh, were uh, Dwayne uh, Baggett, Walter Brock, and among among some other guys. Even Walter Lewis played a little defense. The offense, uh, the center was Kenny Late, and the guard one of the guards was Michael Bryant. Brian Williamson was a split end. Jeff Hanks played tight end. Walter Lewis was the quarterback. The great Reggie Brown was running back along with uh, Kenny Prestridge, the coaches. Uh, Frank Cotton, of course, was the head coach. Donnie Roch, Jim Hart, and Guy Sawyer were also on the staff. And one other thing I want to make mention about the 1978 team is that uh, we were Class 3A in a four-classification system in those days. So you had about 80 to 100 teams in each classification. And you played in areas, and this was a playoff thing we were in for about a decade. The areas had six or seven teams, and only the area champion went to the playoffs. So you had four rounds of playoffs. Um, today, uh, we have seven classes rather than four classes. And uh, Miller has been four, or they're 4A now. We've been 3A for a number of years. And there were two big differences about the playoff deal. One was if you made the playoffs, which was hard to do, you were going to play somebody good the first week. Unlike to what's, what we've seen the last 40 years, you may play a weak opponent the first week. And then the other is you're going to play bigger schools. And so just like in 78, uh, we played Robertsdale and you fall in the playoffs. And uh, they were, you know, from the time we did the sixth classification system, uh, they were always 5A or 6A schools. So that is is a little bit about the 78 team. I want to, let me introduce our guest, and I'm going to uh, ask a question and then kind of get out of the way for a little bit. I'm excited about having these guys. First of all, I have David Jennings with me again. Appreciate David's help with all of this. I also have with me Greg Pendergrass. Greg was the stat man on the 1978 team, and he knows a lot about um, football at played at T.R. Mill in the late 70s and all. We also have with us the quarterback of the 78 team, Walter Lewis. Walter was a junior that year. So first of all, guys, welcome, and I appreciate y'all uh, being a part of this. Coach Rick, this is Walter. I, I want to thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. That team was a, a very unique team in a lot of, I mean, in a lot of ways, and uh, I'm just excited about having the opportunity to, to talk a little bit about it. Uh, you got a great guest, I mean, you got a great guest in Greg Pendergrass being here, and Greg and I, we go way, we go way back to second and third grade during a lot of transition in schools at that particular time in the 70s. And 
um, he was he he had he was the statistician for us and uh, understood everybody on the team, all the ins and the outs of, of a lot of stuff that went on. So it's a pleasure to be here with him and be a part of what he's going to have to say. And then uh, you know, David is is great to have you on here too because you, you you're kind of a a pack rack too in terms of information as it relates to sports. There in Bruton, you've been around for a long time. Your family has been around for quite some time. And uh, your mom was my mine and Greg's uh, history teacher, uh, Miss Jennings. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, it's a, lot, it's a lot of stories. I mean, we could probably go on all night tonight, y'all. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Greg say a few things. And who else? Go ahead, Greg. I'll just be quiet for a minute. No, you kid, you kid. Now, how am I supposed to follow that up? I mean, that was a... Uh oratorical genius but i um i told coach ridge you know i was um i was uh very surprised when he asked me to be on this podcast to be quite honest i told my wife i said you know i got chill bumps it gave it was it's such an honor that to be included you know i didn't play on the team um i knew all the guys obviously and a lot of a lot of players on that team i was looking back over my yearbook the other day there's a lot of guys on that team that are still um, my best friends in the world. Brought back a lot of memories, but it also brought back to me the importance of, you know, not only athletics, you know, athletics at the high school level, but also the friendship that you develop from it. You know, even today, you know, me and Walter talk all the time, try to stay in touch with other classmates. But again, it's a, um, it's just an honor to be, to be invited. And just to set the record straight, the only reason I was the statistician was because Coach Cotton and my dad were best friends. And Coach <laughs> Cotton knew that I wasn't good enough to play, so he, he found me uh, an assignment I could actually do halfway decent. So that's why I'm the statistician on the team. Well, um, let me uh, let me get us started by asking this, first of all. And, Walter, I'll throw this your way, and then, Greg, you can comment on this. So all these – we had good football at T.R. Miller throughout the 70s. Maybe you guys can express uh, what it was like to play and, and to understand what Miller football was like in those days with Frank Cotton as the head coach because he was a <laughs> unique person. Uh, let me just turn it over, y'all, and talk a little bit about what co- what it was like playing for Coach Cotton. Let me just say this. I think Coach Cotton was a star outside of the football more than he was on the football field. I think there are a lot – a lot of uh, ways, uh, storylines about him, you know, you know, when he wasn't coaching, you know, just how he was, how he kind of handled everybody. and uh, uh, He was a, a delight to play for. I remember we played uh, uh, my sophomore year, we played Monroe. And I kind of got frustrated with him, you know, and, uh, you know, about, you know, play calling and stuff like that. And my brother-in-law would always say, why y'all don't throw the ball much, you know, and da 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 so this, that's the sideline stuff that was going on and stuff like that. So I went out there against Monroe. We played them probably the second game of the season. That was 77. That was my sophomore year. I changed the play when he sent it out there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I think I, I think I threw an interception or something. I fumbled the ball. I can't remember what it was. But when I came off the field, I got a face full of all. Uh, chew in the balcony, all over me. <laughs> Red man. The red man, he used to, you know, chew and stuff, you know, and he just got all over me. But uh, I learned a, I learned a really unique lesson, you know, is not to go against what was put there 
you know, for you. And uh, he, we were able to get over that and, and, and work through, you know, those issues and stuff like that. But I'm going to tell you, in terms of knowing the game and knowing how to compete and getting this team ready, he had his way of, his unique way of actually getting that done. And uh, that's something that I appreciate him with. And, and one thing that I really appreciate in, in, in Coach Cotton is, you know, he had, a, he had a young staff at that time. He had Coach Roch, he had Coach Hart, and, you know, Coach Sawyer. They were all young coaches, but they were great coaches. You know, they knew how to relate to to us as players. And, and, and you know, Coach Roch, you know, Coach Roch was, you know, uh, you look sharp, play sharp you know <laughs> and that was his thing i remember him coming to us in the fifth grade you know and he had a certain way of doing things and mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really figure out how to appreciate that with coach Roch until i left there you know and it, it, how he was I'm, I'm just so grateful that i had the opportunity to you know share that with him and then you had coach sawyer had his way of doing things in terms of his offensive mind and how he went about his business and I and then Coach Hart the same way. Coach Hart had a unique way of, of putting it across to us and getting it out of us. And and that's that's I, I've learned in my career as a football player. You know that head coach in terms of how he handles his assistants. You know Coach Cotton had a unique unique way of dealing with each one of those coaches individually, and they were able to translate that to us to get it out of us as players. And. Uh, you know, so th- those are just those are just some things about him that I I remember him for for in terms of how he orchestrated things with with his coaches, but also how he translated it to us as players. He figured out quickly who could play and who you know in terms of how they played on the team, and he put us all in those positions so that we could be successful. And that's something that 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 great coaches you know do. And he he was he was definitely a great coach. And his tenure there with uh, with uh, uh, T.R. Miller. Yeah, I had a, um, you know, ever since, you know, Coach Reeves asked uh, me to be on this podcast, again, it, it um, put me back in a, in a time and a place, you know, that I didn't fully understand the impact. You know, when you're, when you're a kid, you don't understand the impact that other people have on you. And obviously Coach Cotton was a huge impact on not only me but my family, you know, um, I was thinking back, you know, I was four years old when we moved to Bruton in 1966. First year my dad uh, started his job at Bruton City Schools, but also coincided with the first year that Coach Cotton was at Terrell Miller. And um, so I had a um, probably a different perspective than a lot of people um, about Coach Cotton. Um, you know, I got to see the other side of him because the old, old folks in Bruton, though, you know, my dad and Coach Cotton were – not only best friends, they were, they, they were, they were brothers. You know, they loved each other as much as, as most brothers love their biological brothers. That's a whole yeah. different podcast, Greg, right there. That's a four day podcast. <laughs> in you know, my dad, I, I'll tell this little quick story since we're talking about Coach Cotton. You know, my dad um, and Coach Cotton, they, they woke up every morning trying to figure out how they could prank the other one one way or another. It, it was continual. That's all I ever knew since I was a little kid. But the day my dad, well, my dad passed in August um, 2015. And in his possession, he still had in his billfold these business cards. And on those business cards was a picture of Coach Cotton. 
and that pitcher came from one school when you know one 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 school year when they taken you know all the pictures of the students and the faculty. Well, Coach Cummins had his picture made in the middle of when they were striking the picture. His mouth is open and his eyes were almost totally closed. And it was a, I mean, it was a horrendous picture. Well, my daddy somehow found out about that picture. He took that picture and literally made T-shirts out of it. <laughs> and he also made a business card. He carried that rent for 30 years probably. And um, he would hand out to people all along the way. But anyway, um, when my dad passed and we were, you know, going through all this stuff, those cards were in his billfold still with Coach Cotton. You know, that just that just spoke to me about the kind of man Coach Cotton was, um, not only as a, as a Hall of Fame coach. Um, I consider him a Hall of Fame dad, Hall of Fame husband, Hall of Fame friend. And so I got to see Coach Cotton in uh, in a different light than a lot of kids, you know, going through T.L. Miller. And I can remember my, my earliest memories of him. And, again, only, only um, people over the age of probably 60 know this. Coach Cotton was a fantastic basketball coach. You know, we had some teams in the – the late 60s into the 70s until he was named head coach for the 73 season. You know, he was head basketball coach. You know, we were winning, we were winning 20 games a year when you only paid 20 something games. And he took, uh, he took a couple of teams to the uh, state tournament. So he was a, um, he was a coach. I mean, he, he literally just knew how to coach. And part of that came from, I think his um, God-given talents, and he took those talents and had such an impact on on um, young men and young boys. And I honestly believe, and I've told this story before, I honestly believe if Till Miller had a, a Tilly Winks team and Coach Cotton coached it, we'd be legendary. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say this too. Just, just here. I mean. One thing that I learned, I've learned this in life, really. One thing that you judge a person by their heart. That's just how it's designed. And 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 when when we came along, it was just a different time than it is now. But but uh, one thing about Coach Cotton back when I became quarterback there at T.R. Miller. So in, in our town, you know, you know, race relations were not as prevalent. I don't think. You know, as you go to other towns and whatnot, but one thing as you know, being a black quarterback there, I think I may have been the first there at T.R. Miller. You know, I never saw, not just with me, but I never saw, you know, any any aspect of, you know, showing partiality because of the color of a person's skin. And and when you can when you can look past that, I mean, that's that's the quality that that Coach Cotton had. That's what he brought to the table. That's what I saw. And Robbie and you know Miss Cotton and Robbie's little sister—I can't recall her name. Kim, but it's just Kim. I, I saw all those qualities coming out in his family in terms of how he was as a as a as a as a, as a dad, so on and so forth. And it he didn't it, it didn't matter. He he put everybody on the same scale, you know, and, and just and just weighed it all out and let everybody be who they were. And on the football field, in the classroom. Uh, just being a person, I mean, he, he took me, you know, we, me and Greg and Broughton, we go all hunting and stuff like that. We go to his place up there in Frisco City, and, and it, we were like family. 
and and he, he treated everybody that I saw just like that. My sister had the opportunity to go through with him with uh uh he was driver's ed teacher. My sister Gail, who was five years older than me, and I remember some of the stories he would you know she would bring home with him driving him around you know in the car so on and so forth. And I'm like, who is this guy? But uh, <laughs> but but th- that's the type of person Coach Cotton was. He tra- he treated people like he wanted to be treated, and that's. That's how life is. And um, he did that with his coaches. He did it with his players. He did it with people around him. And, you know, he was a favorite son, you know, there at school. And everybody respected him. And that's that's my hats off to him as a person, as a coach, uh, you know, there while he was there in, in uh, at T.R. Miller. I couldn't agree more. I was um, going back to his coaching basketball I remember I was five, six, seven years old when we go to the basketball games, and we'd always sit sort of like behind the where Coach Cotton always sit on the end of the bench next to the scores table, couple rows up, and so I would see, I would see him interact on the sideline. You know, even back then, I loved the intricacies of, you know, of the game, and I'd watch him. And if you want to know what intensity was all about. Coach Cotton was intense, and he was probably one of the most fierce competitors. I mean that in a positive way, one of the most fierce competitors I've ever seen. And um, that's why he coached his teams, too, get the basketball, football later on. Um, but also, he was, to me, probably one of the greatest motivators I've ever known. I'm talking about not only in sports, but in, in business, uh, working for corporations, church, whatever it may be, Coach Cotton could motivate people. He could motiv- he could motivate young men to have them do things. I don't even think they they could they think they could they thought they could do. I mean, he did, he and he, he exemplified that not only like like you said, Walter, on the football field, he did that in in life and in the community. But um, his basketball teams in the late sixties just like his football team in the 70s, they fought, man. I mean, they fought with some some fierce intensity. And um, if you ever went to watch the football game at Terrell Miller, um, there's one thing you're going to find out. You're going to have to fight. If you're going to win, you won because you didn't outfight Terrell Miller. You just had more weapons. That's it. And that was a reflection of Coach Cotton. That's the way he coached. He was one of the in my in my book, he was one of the founding fathers and um, cornerstones of what Terrell Miller football is now, and why it has that that legacy through the state. Well, uh, guys, um, this is probably the longest David Jennings has ever been quiet at one time. So I ain't got no choice, man. Walker talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> DJ, you still there? Coach, you actually took the words out of me. That's how I was going to intro into it, because I'm quite certain this is a record for me in terms of being quiet. But there's times that you talk and there's times that you listen. And I'm telling you, uh, Walter Lewis, Greg Pendergrass, that whole era of people at T.R. Miller are iconic to me. When I, when I think about T.R. Miller, that's what I think of. Uh, everybody, you know, enjoyed their time and, and, and enjoyed their era. I can tell you as a nine, 10, 11 year old boy living in Bruton, Alabama, that was the best time to ever be alive. And it was because of those people. Uh, they were just 
they were bigger than life to, to, to me. And I had a, a little different or a little unique perspective because my mother, as they both mentioned, was a school teacher at the high school. We lived two blocks from the school. And of course, it was very uh, different times then. It was simple times. It was, it was very common for me to get on my bicycle and, and be up on that campus. Uh, my mother, you know, she, she was a junior class sponsor. So my birthday parties being in October were always set up around the wood drag and homecoming at T.R. Miller. Uh, <laughs> me and my crew from school, we would, we would go over and sit in the baseball bleachers and watch the wood drag. We'd come home, have a, uh, a pickup football game, then go back to the bonfire. And they were the best birthday parties ever. Uh, I've shared this with Walter before. You know, back in those days, it was before ESPN, it was before there was a lot of football on TV. I think, uh, uh, at the college level, they would show Notre Dame or they would show Alabama on Saturday and on Sunday, it was one NFL football game. But I remember, uh, our, my, my childhood home was two blocks from the school. And it also served as the football yard, the, the football field yard, the basketball court, and the pickup baseball games. And in our mind, I remember the arguments like it was yesterday. There was three quarterbacks in the world. There was Roger Stallback, there was Terry Bradshaw, and there was Walter Lewis. And we would get in heated arguments about who the best was. Uh, it, 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 it was it was clearly it was Walter. DJ. Yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you, y'all y'all were the and, and, and Greg. I think you said yourself way short. I watch you play basketball every time you play. I remember you getting a technical foul in to lose you also. By the way, I don't think you <laughs> believe that. I, I want the proof of that. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do remember, and, and we're going to get back to the football stuff in a minute. When you were called for an infraction in basketball, you would always place the ball on the court. You wouldn't slam it. You would place it down by your feet, and you would have walked down the court. You did it in Andalusia one night, and the guy teed you up. And I thought you got screwed on it. Did you remember that? I do remember that now, yes. That happened. I remember that. But, I mean, you guys – when I think about, like, this is a, when, and Coach Riggs has been kind enough, including me on a couple of these episodes, when he told me about this one, I mean, I, my, my heart started beating a little faster because this is what T.R. Miller was to me. This is, this is where I set the bar. I, I thought, I mean, it was just, a, like I said, a great time to be alive. And it was because, it was not only the, the ball players and the athletes y'all were, it was the kind of people y'all were. Uh, I don't think, you know, when you're 17 or 18, I certainly didn't at the time realize how many people are watching you how many young kids are watching you and in terms of role models y'all were the very best and it was across the board i mean i mean walter brought was first class Dell altman was a little mischievous but he was still somebody you know that you looked up uh dennis ferris uh, they mentioned dennis ferris in, in the in the in the intro and he was a yeah. great player he doesn't always get uh the headlines of, of some of the others he was a great player played third base for terminal baseball i mean i mean just a great player Ronnie Collins would knock your head off, was a great player. Ronnie Grady, Michael Bryant. You know, uh, I remember the, the Robertsdale game in the playoffs, and, and I guess uh, uh, Michael Bryant drew the uh, short straw. Y'all ate at the steakhouse after the game, and me and my daddy ate at the same steakhouse. And there was an open chair beside uh, Michael Bryant, and I asked if I could sit down at his table. And he was so gracious, and, 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 and he allowed me to do so. But I think after I'd asked him 70 questions in a row about the game, he probably wished that, that he had not allowed me to sit with him. But it was just the, the, the interaction and the kind of people y'all were and, and, and the way you played. I remember that freaking Ufala game like it was yesterday. That's the maddest I've ever been after, mm. after an athletic event in my life. My daddy had had me all juiced up all week, you know, about we're going to, you know, this could be the, the year we get up there and win the state championship again. We'd won it 69. And I remember that night like it was yesterday. In, in those days, 
They would turn the lights on the baseball field and vehicles were parked on the baseball field. I remember the police officers having those long orange flashlights, waving people in there. Now, I remember that whole day like it was yesterday. And then, of course, the disappointment has come up a little short. And I remember when it was over with, I was telling my daddy, I said, I want the lights turned back on. I want the scoreboard reset. You get you falling <laughs> back out here and we're going to run it back. And of course, that wasn't, that wasn't the way it worked, but it was, uh, it was still a magical time to be a kid. It was, it was, it's what made me want to be a KR Miller Tiger watching you guys and how you lived your lives and how you carried yourselves. And it was just, uh, it was just, I don't know. It, it was, I wouldn't have traded those days or those experiences or, or you people as role models for anybody because y'all just, y'all were, y'all were amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And I want to say this, you know, this list is about the top 25 teams in T.R. Miller. And, of course, you could ask 25 people and you get 25 different versions and none of them are wrong. I think it's great that we have a school that we can celebrate our rich history. And there was a committee that kind of came up with this. I want you to know that my vote for the number one team in the history of T.R. Miller was 1978. And I'll, and I'll say that until the day I die because wow. we, were, we, we, were, we, we, were, we were it. I mean, it's just what small town Friday nights should be should be like, and and, and you guys and y'all y'all are just amazing. And, and to be a to be in this capacity with y'all tonight has been a treat for me. So now I'll shut up. Well, David, I tell you what, I I, I I've always been a very emotional person, um, and the older I get, the more emotional I get. You got me crying right now. I just want to let you know that. Well, I think, and, 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 you know, when, and one of the things I've always loved about you, Greg, I don't see you near as often as, as, as I would like, but you all, you've always greeted me with a hug. It's never been a handshake. I'm a hugger too, uh, and I think it may be a small, it may be a small town thing. I don't know, but uh, but it, but y'all, you guys, you guys are the best, all of y'all, every one of you. You know, it's funny you you were talking about that. You know, I grew up in a magical time in Bruton too, and I, I um. I moved there when I was four years old, like I told previously. I left when I was 18. So 14 of my 61 years were spent in Bruton. But then 14 years made me who I am. And I don't say that lightly, neither. I'm going to get emotional again now. Um, you know, I can remember you talking about, you know, looking at the people and um, when you were a kid growing up. You know, I looked up to the Shine McCrackens of the world, the the Frankie Sims, um, the Silica Staffies, the Bucky Philippines. It was in 1969, I was eight years old. I was seven when the, the season started. And um, I was eight when we won the state championship. I swear, y'all, I can remember like it was yesterday. I, I can remember it vividly. I can remember the, 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 the semifinal game playing Abbeville over in Dothan. I swear I can remember like it was yesterday. It was the biggest high school stadium I'd ever seen, Rip Hughes Stadium in Dothan, Alabama. I thought we had to go and play the college team. But um, you know, when I was a kid, David, um, playing in the backyard with the Moody Boys, um, I didn't want to be the quarterback or the running back or wide receiver for Auburn or the you know quarterback or wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. I wanted to be quarterback of the wide receiver for Terrell Miller. That's all I ever wanted to be. I didn't want to play in the NBA. I wanted to play for Terrell Miller. I fortunately was able to play a little bit of basketball, a little bit of baseball. Unfortunately, that, they didn't have a place for me on the football team. I don't know why. They just didn't have one for me. But, you know, I, I'm the same way, David. I, 
I still I still look up to those guys. I had the opportunity before my dad passed. We came to we came to Bruton to watch a high school baseball game, and in the bleachers, I got to sit beside Shama Kraken, and two of his kids came up there, and I got to tell them, you know, my first my first hero again was not a college athlete or was not a pro athlete. It was Shama Kraken. But I got to watch him not only on the field, but as a high school student, being the kind of guy that I aspire to be. And that same thing, you know, you were talking about, man, it was just it was just magical to me. And you know, it defined a large portion of what I am now. But that same feeling you had, David, I had about that those guys that were on the seventy eight team. Um you know, they were they were inspiration to me too. Okay, I'm gonna be quiet. Y'all go ahead. I'm sorry. My hero was Walter Lewis. Walter Lewis <laughs> played shortstop in baseball, played quarterback in football, played the guard in basketball. And my favorite basketball player was Daryl Pryor. That is yeah. what's the best. I love to watch that guy play basketball. I thought he was amazing. But Walter Lewis was he, he my hero. And he could also he high jump about seven or eight feet. He, he could do anything. I mean Walter Lewis could do anything and, and Walter I wanted to ask you a little bit because I never had this opportunity. As a kid after the games, back in those days, you guys wore tearaway jerseys. And after the game, we'd run on the field and try to get remnants or scraps of tearaway jerseys. They were trophies at Bruton Elementary School on, on Monday. If you had your piece of that jersey, you had you a trophy. If it had a piece of the number, you really had something. You're mm-hmm. probably going to be lucky to get off campus with it by the <laughs> end of the day if you showed it. My question is, if you if you can remember, how many tearaway jerseys would you go through in a, in a typical football game? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably say two, two of them. Um, you know, I mean, they got to catch you to tear it away. They got, I was just going <laughs> to say the same thing. You probably would have been through one because he never got tackled. Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think I didn't go through many. I just got out of the way, you know, and made it tough for somebody to make it, you know, tear it, you know. So I, I probably maybe two, two, two shirts or whatever, but didn't get, didn't make it a practice of getting caught, you know. I heard that. I think Perry yeah. Brown went through about ten a night. He probably he, did. He take that get this out beer and he he probably did. <laughs> but look, let me let me say something in terms of my, the history of T. R. Miller in terms of how it impacted me. Um, Jamie, you're a part of that. If I recall, you can run a football in the backfield. You had good moves uh, there, and I I, I remember. I was in the south end zone running around on the track and stuff. I was probably seven or eight years old. And I think mm. my dad may have been policing the game when you were playing. Yeah. You and uh, I can't remember. Let's see. Alan uh, Baker. Alan, Alan Baker. Baker. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching a goal line play from the from the south end zone. You all were going into the north end zone. And I was just – your number was what, 40? Was it 42? Alan was forty two, I was thirty three. Thirty three? Yeah. I remember I remember you as a player and, and it impacted me in terms of the moves you had. And I wanted to emulate that, you know, as a as a player. And it just kinda got me into the groove of, you know, T R Miller football. And I'm gonna tell you another guy that I had an opportunity to talk with last fall. I hadn't talked with him. I I never had a conversation with him, but but Bucky Philippi back in I think sixty eight, sixty nine yeah, you know when when he was playing quarterback, I remember having having an opportunity to go to the game and watch him play. 
uh, you know, as Greg mentioned, Frank Sams. I mean, those were some of the great teams. You talk about tradition. You know, that's what I saw as a kid. And then as I as I grew older, you know, in turn, Sean McCracken impacted me, just like he impacted Greg. And um, let's see, uh, was it Rowland? Uh, what's the, what was the offensive lineman's name? Mike Rowland? Yeah. Mike Rowland? Yeah. I mean, they were great players in their in their space in terms of how they played, but, but really what, what really got my attention is how they were as individuals. I you know, and, and you and like, you know, sealed the staff in, you had, uh, uh, dang, running back, number 43, black kid, Danny Moten. Danny Moten, Danny yeah. Danny Moten, yeah. All these, you know, Coach Cotton and the teams and things, you know, not everybody was perfect. But in terms of what they were get, what they were given on the football field, and then they, how they displayed things outside of the football field, you know, that made me wanted to be a, be a part. You know, and, and David, I, you're, you're saying we impacted you all. Let me tell you who impacted us. The class that impacted us. It's like me and Greg and Juddy and Broad and all of us. We're gonna be like them. But Ronnie Cottrell's class. I agree. Keith Langham. Yep. That class. That class was a class of leaders. And that impacted, I know it, it really set the tone for us as uh, students there at TR Mill in terms of what we, how we wanted to lead you, I mean, everybody else that came in behind us. But that class was a unique class. And my hat's off to everyone in that class because they had a bunch of leaders come out of that class. But, uh, but get, getting back to the football side, I'm going to tell you another guy. And I tell him this when I see him, and he, he just kind of plays me off because his personality is that way. But Alan Baker, you know, in yeah. terms of in terms of my success and understanding what it took to go to an Alabama, you know, and do the, the things that I was very, uh, you know, I was I was grateful to have the opportunity to do. I remember when I was in the, I think I was in the eighth grade. We used to have to get on the bus and drive to to uh, they would take bring us up to the, uh, the the high school to train and stuff like that. As I remember. During a baseball game or something, Alan Baker was out there running the uh, the planks, you know, and he was running, spreading those planks and stuff like that. And I'm like looking at him. I'm like, man, that's must that's that must be what it's going to take, you know, to do X, Y, and Z. But he kind of set the tone. And like you said, David, you you never know who's watching you. I was right. watching him and I was studying what he was doing, but that impacted me in terms of just understanding what it would take to be successful on another level if you got the opportunity. And 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 it, it was just, you know, so these, these are just, you, you can go down the line or down just people that are impacting you along the way, you know, and I, I, I share this story too. You know, um, you know Dan and Ed McMillan, I, I'm so grateful for those two because, you know, they were like brothers to me growing up, you know. Um, you know, they were a little bit older, but my mom and, 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 and their mom were great friends and that, that, those friendships kind of rubbed off on me. And, and you, you'd be amazed at how that impacted me as a, as a football player. You know, um, <clears throat> punt, pass, and kick. A lot of you all remember that. Okay. And I was fortunate enough to win it all. And, and it would have never happened without those two guys. And, you know, one day on Friday, when I was eight years old, <laughs> I shared this story a little bit, but they came to my house, Miss Marianne and those two boys, 
And um, they asked me if I wanted to go down to the Ford Motor Company to uh, to register, to, to, to compete. I, I had no clue that this was going on, you know. So my mom, she said, it's okay to go. So I went down and registered. And we competed the next day. And I, I was very fortunate to win. The next week, we go to Montgomery. And I get a chance to compete up there. And I'm fortunate enough to win there. And then just kept going on and on. The next weekend, me and my dad went to Atlanta, competed you know, against guys from all over the Southeast that week and was able to win. The, the week after that, went back to Atlanta. That's when we had to put on the uniforms and represent the Atlanta Falcons. Um, competed against a kid from South Carolina, Patrick. can't remember what his last name was. But I won there. We went to New Orleans. And then the last ride was to go out to California um, to compete out there. And the McMillan family, you know, they supported me and came out, Dan and Ed. They were a part of that. But, but, but I was fortunate enough to win. But you know what happened after that? You know what happened? That's the next year is when Mr. Colvin on Little League, he and Mr. Cole, they moved me to quarterback. And I was, I mean, I love playing linebacker. I love playing running back, but I guess I was fortunate enough to have the athletic ability to play quarterback. They moved me to quarterback. And hey, that's how I started quarterbacking. You know, as a quarterback, yeah. to, to to go from one point to the other, and I'm just I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. because you know it impacted my life in, in, a, in a in a big way, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just grateful for having the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 let me tell you something, David. You you said you watched us, man. We had a ball just being students there with teachers. Mm-hmm coaches and stuff and just 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 trying to pave the way for everyone that came behind us that was just fun i mean even when we got in trouble it was fun <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't remember none of that here you know, i don't remember none of that part say, well, even when we got in trouble it was fun uh, we had a situation in your mom's in your mom's class to where she got on the, it was me greg johnny so why are you gonna throw my name in there? Because right, you, you was in there on it, whatever. You was in on it. We got in trouble. I mean, we was just cutting up in the class, and she just got tired of it. She said, "Y'all go up and see Mr. Harrison." So we all go up to Mr. Harrison's office, and he's not in the office. So we go into his office. I go and sit in his chair. Greg and Judd and him—they sit around, <laughs> brawl. They sit around, you know. So he finally comes in and. He said, what's going on? He said, well, Miss, Miss, Miss uh, Jennings got upset with us, and she sent us up to see you. He said, well, what do y'all think your punishment needs to be? I said, well, I tell you what, we can just go around and pick up paper around the <laughs> 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 You know, but but we went around we went around every class looking in everybody's window and everything, just seeing if everybody was all right. You know, we came by Miss Jennings' class, stuck our heads in the window, and she just threw her hands up, you know. But but it was fun. It was just having a lot of fun, just just going through school, enjoying that time, you know, with each other. And like Greg said earlier, it, it, you know, Greg and I we talk quite a bit. You know, we just talk about times that we were we developed relationships. I mean, even in the tough times, we talk about recruiting. You know, I mean, when when I was being recruited, it came down to Alabama and Auburn, and here it is. You got Greg, who's 
big Auburn fan. You know, I had friends that were all, you know, Alabama people and stuff like that. But at that point, I had to make a decision. And and I had to just make that decision on my own. And, it, and I knew it was going to disappoint some of my closest friends. But, you know, to have a friend like a Greg Pendergrass, you know, um, just just tell me, hey, man, I want the best for you. Didn't matter to him. And that's what true friends are about. You know, he just wanted the best for me and support me through that decision to go to Bama. Uh, it took a lot of weight off my shoulders relative to, you know, what was really going on around me at that particular point in time. And, and that, you know, that's what it's all about. Football, football gave me that opportunity to do that. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the people in Bruton in terms of support that I've gotten over the years. Uh, that city, I mean, the city of Bruton, I, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy growing up there. And, I mean, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. And, and I, I, every bit of it I enjoy because it made me who I am. Just like, you know, it made Greg what he was, what he is. It, it's, it just really impacted me in a very positive way. And I'm just grateful to God to have had the opportunity to be a part of Amen. the town group. So I'll, I'll stop and let someone else talk for a second. Because, like I said, this will go on and on. It's more well, it's, I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's football. You, it's you brought football. up pump pass and kick. I got a side story on pump pass and kick. Well, hold on, hold on, Greg. Hold on, Greg. I know Hickory does. It's football. It's football, but it's a community. And see, yeah. football is a part of the community. And how the community is able to rally together and just and just embrace the game and embrace each other and 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 and, and create memories like you're trying to do, Coach Riggs, relative to this this podcast. So it's great. I'm just grateful to have the opportunity to do so. Back to your pump passing chick. I got a little side story about that. You you want to brought it up? I'm gonna tell the side story to it. Um. <laughs> When my kids got old enough, I got three sons. When my kids got old enough to start understanding, you know, different things in life and relationships and stuff. Um, they were in my closet one day and they found these old trophies. I had some baseball trophies and I had some had some football trophies. They didn't know they didn't know what pump pass kick was, and they were looking at them. They was pump pass kick, so I was trying to explain it to them, and. Um, my middle son, who's always has a, he's like my most observant child. He said, Daddy, you only got second, third place trophies. How come you never got a first place trophy? I said, well, let me tell you about this guy named Hickory. And I'll tell you why I never got a first place trophy <laughs> and put past the kick. Because <laughs> I always had to, I always had to participate in the same uh, age bracket. That's how come I never had a first place trophy. Coach, you mentioned uh, the team in terms of players, you know, Dow having get, – getting back to that 78 team. I mean, Dow Altman, we, we should have we, we, we won state that year in my opinion. You know, and and I'm going to tell you, we played – we played you fall – we played uh, Robertsdale in the playoffs. And uh, uh, I, I actually had an opportunity to get interviewed down in Foley two years ago. And the kid that played linebacker, Merchant, Larry Merchant, uh, that kid should have been playing on, uh, you know, in, he should have been playing on somebody's team, but that kid yep. was a really good player, you know, back then. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, uh, you follow had a, you, you follow had a, uh, an outstanding team 
and and they outplayed us. They outplayed us in the in the quarters, I believe. You know that particular game. Uh, it was it was a uh, that was a hard fall hard fall game. And in fact, I, I in fact I was in Orange Beach uh, a few days ago at a conference, and uh, John Hamm is over the correctional facility. He's from Ufala. Yeah. And he he remembered he remembered the game. We sat there and talked about the game, you know, yeah. and and uh, and that's the that's the first time I I played defense in a while in that game. And uh, oh, Greg, <laughs> came to me after the game and said, "Well, you know what?" I'm like, "What, Greg?" He said, "Man, you had 22 tackles." I'm like, "Really?" I didn't know I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I have no clue what that meant. In terms of playing, he said, "Man, you had 22 tackles." I'm That's like, why I'm also playing quarterback. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, man, I have no clue that 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 game was going to go that way, but it did. But we, but it, it was a, it was a, it, like I said, you all had a well coached team, and we got outplayed that game, you know, during that during that season. I wish we could have won that. We could have won state. We had the. Players, Reggie Brown, Bama player, Dow Altman, Altman, you know, you know, Scott Huff, Southern Miss. We had just an overall good team. You know, I, I, Michael Bryant, I, I, I tell you, Michael Bryant playing guard, Ooh. Kenny, Kenny Layton uh, mm-hmm. playing on the offensive line, you know, Ronnie Grady. We had some, we had some horses that would play. They, they would play with heart. And, and man, that's what I remember. You know, you Dennis Ferris on defense, you had, yeah, Morris Brown played defense. Yeah. Reggie Brown's yep. brother. Yeah, Tubi was outstanding as a player yep. defensively, and and it's just you know hey we had we had a we had a team we had a really good team, and yeah I'm grateful I'm, I'm grateful that we're number twelve in terms of what the record book's saying, but that team had lots and lots of potential, and I really feel okay. like we could have gone a little bit farther than what we did. And I, Walter, I, Walter, I, Walter I, if you if you see that guy from you follow again, let's get a rematch. I'm still pissed off. About it. <laughs> well, I, like it. I, I played both ways. I had 22 tackles, but that came with a price. And you know what the price was? The price was I hadn't I hadn't played enough at that spot. You know, all season I, I was just playing for that one game. And what I did on on defense is I wore myself down. So when I had the opportunity to get on offense, I wasn't conditioned properly. I wasn't conditioned well enough to be able to deal with what I had to deal with on offense, you know, too. So it was just a double-edged sword, you know, that particular night that that uh, that, that 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 didn't allow us to, to, to be our best, you know, that we could have been, you know, during that, you know, during that game. I'm going to throw it. I'm gonna throw another name out there that I think um, I don't know. I don't know, if, uh, Coach Riggs, if we've ever had a a committee that could go and name you know like they do in the NBA and the NFL, you know the top players of the last fifty years, you know the team of the decade, player yeah. of the decade, whatever. But there was a person on that defense that probably was one of the most fearless people, not only fearless football player, but one of the most fearless people i ever known. I love him to death. Dwayne Baggett. Dwayne, I think yeah. that's who you yeah. going to say, yeah. Greg. You're a Dwayne Baggett, if, if Dwayne Baggett would have weighed 210 pounds, they wouldn't let him practice. <laughs> yeah, he'd not he, would, he would hit whoever was in front of him. It didn't matter. No matter what color their jersey was, what the play was, Dwayne Baggett would light you up. Yeah, Dwayne Baggett. They couldn't run. What? Hey, 
He couldn't run. He couldn't. I mean, there's a lot, lot he couldn't do, but there's a lot he made happen by doing it. I mean, I mean, he was, he was just, he was just, he was a great player on defense, the way he was. He surely was. Absolutely. And you mentioned Chris Griffin earlier. Yeah. Chris was as steady as they come out there. I, I think it was Rover that he played. Yeah. He did. Yeah, it's just it's just really really a well-rounded, solid solid team in terms of just what we had to do as a team, you know, both defensively and offensively, you know. There, yeah, I was thinking about I was thinking about the team, you know, ever since we, you know, Coach Riggs asked us to be on this podcast. I would I would venture to say there's not many, especially small school teams, that had. The, the level of not only coaching but the level of talent on that field during that year you know there are three people on that team three small team out of Bruton, Alabama play professional football yeah that's probably a little bit incomparable I'm gonna guess yeah I would like to hear somebody you know from the school give me a, a good comparison but also there was other people you know like you did Scott Huff, Southern Miss um, Brian Williamson you know, he, he'd been recruited. Eddie Graves was a great ball player. Absolutely. Uh, Ronnie Grady played, you know, college ball. The list goes, Daryl Pryor. Um, a lot of people didn't think we passed him. We did pass. I, um, I, I, I did the stats. I know what I'm talking about, okay? We did pass <laughs> the ball. You know, you just got to remember the era we played in. It's a totally different era than it is now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, but we did throw the ball. I mean, Brian Williamson. Man, he was hauling in, a, you know, three or four passes a game, touchdown every other game. Daryl Pryor, I mean, he was a, he was an outside threat. Um, you know, so, y'all, you know been, y'all mentioned him a couple of times already, and, and I don't think he can be mentioned enough, and God rest his soul. There's a lot of people in Bruton uh, who think Reggie Brown might be the best football player to ever play at T.R. Miller regardless of position. I mean, he was a monster. He was – he, he could do – he was like – once again, to us kids, he was Earl Campbell. But we had he was amazing speed and size. Back when, you had a lot of offensive linemen weighed 170, 175 pounds. I'm going to, well, you can correct me, I'm going to take a wild stab here. Of course, Richard Brown, 190, 195 with speed. Oh, oh, Richard may have been in his two. So he may have been at 205 yes. or something, maybe. With speed. With speed. In, in 1978. Yeah, you were. You're asking his weight? Are you asking his weight? Yeah, yeah. You think he's 200? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And could run. And could run, yes. Absolutely. Hey, hey guys, when when I started going back and pulling some film and trying to gather film and stuff so we could put on YouTube, and I started, um, I had some of the film from 77 and 78, the, the greatest thing I saw about Reggie Brown was playing stand up nose guard. Nose guard. And yeah. and almost with the blocking rules of the day. And I don't know how much he played in seventy eight, he played a bunch in seventy seven. But yeah. with the with the blocking rules of those days, the center had no chance. No chance. <laughs> no chance. He would he would head slap the center yeah. and and figure out where the ball was and he was gone so they had to double team him every play, or they would never get a playoff at all. Absolutely, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
It was a, it was a, um, I was thinking about it also. You know, you look at the, um, you know, gave up, what'd you say, Coach Riggs, 8.1 points yeah. a game, five shutouts, you know, uh, the accolades go on and on. And then you go to the, uh, the offensive side of the ball. You had a quarterback who, um, by the way, David, um, Sean McCracken was my first hero. I'm going to let you have a guess who my second one was. Um, Randall Huff. Randall Huff. Randall Huff was a great ball player. Yes, he was. That's, that, you were the topic of conversation with me and Randall Huff the other day. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to share a story here in a minute before we get off. I can promise. Speaking of Randall Huff, speaking of Randall Huff, a lot of people, you know, back then you didn't have the, you know, the ESPN, the Internet, the, you know, all the coverage you had. You know, Randall Huff was being recruited. He was a, he was a heck of an offensive lineman himself. But you know, you had a you had a backfield. Oh no! Again, I I think I would be I'd be pleasantly surprised if somebody could challenge me with a better backfield. Um, you had Walter Lewis at quarterback. Um, I don't have to list all of his accomplishments. Greatest quarterback ever put on the uh, jersey at T.R. Miller. Yes, exceeded by what he is as a man. But that's another story. Um, you had Reggie Brown, like you said, sitting in the backfield. You had Kenny Pressure, who was a dang bulldog running inside. I mean, he was like a battering ram. You had Walter Brock that was, you know, sitting in that backfield. Ended up being a, a record holder at Jackson's, Jacksonville State. Played no USFL, played for Buffalo Bills. You had Morris Brown, played at Alabama State. Um, that's a pretty. That's a pretty impressive backfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You talking about how how um, dejected you were? I, ha- I had that same feeling. You know, I was um, I was just as invested. I didn't step on the field other than on the sidelines, but I was just as invested as anybody else was. And I had that. Already had that same mentality that um, Zeke always had. You know, Zeke is um, the greatest advocate of Taylor Miller athletic period of anybody I know. And Zeke always had the belief that if there was a way to win, I don't care who the opponent was, Taylor Miller could do it. And I had that same feeling. And I can remember walking off the field going, I just don't even really believe this. Yeah. I just don't even believe it. Y'all remember, and, and I, I remember this, and, I, and Coach Riggs was kind enough to actually – find the footage and send it to me. I remember Dow Altman getting thrown out of the game right yep. there at the end of the game. Uh, before the snap, before yep. snap, coming across, hitting one of the offensive linemen, the quarterback mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And, of course, sitting there escorting him off the field. I remember <laughs> that. I remember, I remember the confrontation, um, talking about the fiery nature of, of Coach Cotton. You know, whenever Coach Cotton's, when them veins in that neck pop out, it's all over with. It is all over with. <laughs> And he had a way of when he got when he got very very intense. He put his hands on his hip. I saw this a million times. He put his hands on his hip. He'd take one of his legs and sort of stick it out. And about that time, the veins popped out. When the veins popped out, ball game. Well, after that, I think you're talking about David. The coaches were going to meet in the middle of the field, and I wasn't close enough to know what the Ufala coach said. But when I saw Coach Cotton's veins pop on that neck, I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I tell you, one of, the things I, I, one of the things I didn't remember, 
when, when, when Hulse got thrown out of the game and then Coach Riggs sent me the clip and I watched it, I love this. Dow does his deal. They get him off the field. But, at the, you know, when, when, when Dow took that one guy out, everybody kind of moved. And Ronnie Collins was sitting there at defensive end or outside linebacker. And he went ahead and got him with two. I mean, dropped him like a sack of potatoes. And that really tickled me. He was a, he was a, he was a straight up hitter. And that guy moved and Collins dropped him like a bad habit. <laughs> driving. 
I don't remember what yard line was on. I'm say 25, 30 yard line. It was running the beer, going to the wide side of the field, around the right, around the right end. And you held the ball so long in the in the um, I guess the Kenny Fresh, I'm gonna guess. And at the last moment, you pulled it out and you stood around to the end zone, and the referees were spotting the ball back at where they tackled it. You remember that? Oh, I, I, oh, I yeah, do. I remember. I and I was that. so mad. I was on the sidelines. I was screaming and yelling. And I couldn't remember what coach it was told me to be quiet. I would get a thanks for other sports for like flags. Let's, let's go to, let's go to the, the motivation on that game because, because when we, when we played them there in 77 down there, they had the two Wiley boys. Yep. And those guys could run. Golly, they were fast. And, and, and it seems like every t- we had Randall Mallard, we had Reggie Brown, myself in the backfield, and every time we break loose, you know, Randall Mallard, I mean, fastest guy, you know, yep. that, I mean, he was just, I mean, he could explode on you. He break loose, and one of those wider boys would catch him, you know. But every time he broke loose, we broke loose like three times, and we got a flag. Boom, we probably had a yep. hundred. We had 165 yards penalties. Yes, we did. So they beat us. They ended up beating us 21 to zero. That's correct. And I remember. I remember after the game, Lee Martin Sellers, Donald Howell. We were all. They were. They were uh, uh, ball boys. Lee Lee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mitch, Miss Lewis. They were ball boys, and we were. I mean, tears just rolling down my eyes, and I'm like, I'm like, they got to come to our place next year. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, we've just set the stage. So we get in this game, and the play that Greg's talking about, we're probably on the 45, 45 yard line. And and I remember it, it was early in the game. Reggie Brown, it was Reggie, you know, because Kenny Pressure was going to be, he was going to be the pitch back. Pitch man, okay. You know, Reggie, I went out there on the split back, there, you know, there, the, you know, Red Reggie. And the guy just ate Reggie on the line. I pulled the ball out, and 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 I ran around the referee. He never saw it. He never yep. saw it. And he, you can see him just blowing the whistle. He was blowing the whistle, and I'm running around. I'm downfield, probably thirty yards. And they yep. call it back, and I'm scoring. And on the way to the goal line, I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I mean, it's just so emotional to where I, I can't believe this is happening. You know. And, 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 but the, the referee made a bad call. I mean, you can see him that remember that, that Monday when we watched it on film, you can see him running up to the play with the whistle in his mouth. And then he, when he realized what he did, he put his hands on his head and said, man, I made a mistake. I, I and, still uh, remember. Yep. Yeah. But, but that, that was a, that was a hard hitting game with, with, um, with Atmore. And that, that was, that was a pinnacle game in that season for us. You know, and we beat them. I, I can't remember what the score, but we, 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 it was a great game. I think it was probably 8,000 people at the game. You had people all in the, on the, on the business side, on the home side, all around the tracks, you know, watching that game. It was really, really, uh, a fun game out there to play. It really was. But that yeah, was, I put, a, up, I put up my stat, game. I put up my stack book from 78. It was 20 to 12. 20 to 12. Yeah. Yep. So it's yeah, man. I, that 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 pro, that that game was probably in my career at Tusk. I mean at uh, at T R Miller. I think that game was probably one of the the top games in terms of yeah. my performance. You know, as a player, you know, there relative to all the circumstances that were there. You know, uh, with that game, uh, that was one of the that was probably my top one. 
uh, Walter, did Walter, middle of my career. Walter, didn't we play? Didn't we play UMS that year down at Lab People Stadium? We did. We did. We did. We played them. I played. No, let's see. We played them. Yeah, we we played them. We played them my sophomore, our sophomore year. Okay, down there. Okay, and we played them in. in we played them in Bruton our our, our junior year. Okay, and what uh, your junior year? Okay, the, 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 I think it was the game here. That was the first time. I'm sure it had happened before. I had never seen it. Reggie Brown dove over the top on the goal line for a touchdown. And that was the first time I'd ever seen that. And, of course, you know, we'd take it in the backyard of our field, at our yard. We had Azalea bushes. And we would practice diving over the Azalea bushes. <laughs> 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 Did you get skin up, DJ? I love oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We we would we would go get our Haynes T shirts and put our numbers on them and we would we would make people kind of grab us by the shirt and they'd rip off. Of course we weren't generating enough torque for them to really tear apart. They'd just get stretched real good. DJ, I know your mama's got a picture of it. Send us a picture of it. I gotta yeah. see you with your t shirt on. Yeah, yeah, have a tearaway on. I just, that was, I love it. I remember I remember watching Razy dive over the top. I said, Okay, I've got a new trick I gotta go try to do. Well, I remember again, I'm I'm going back to I'm going back to the, the uh Kel Miller didn't pass the ball a lot. If I remember on the Atmore game, you threw a touchdown pass to Brian Williamson. If I remember you know, correctly, you know, Greg, you you probably your memory is better than mine. I, I know I probably did. I, yeah, we threw the ball. We threw the for, for us. We threw the ball kind of quite a bit. I, I wasn't really, you know, you know, I wasn't really. We, we could run the ball or pass it, but I. It didn't really matter to me in terms of what we did. It's just, you know, we when we had to throw, we threw it. We got guys like Daryl Fryer just throw it up there and let him go get it. Brian Williamson, too, can go get it as well. He could. He could. You know. So, yeah, we, had, we, had, we got a well-rounded team. We did. Yeah, and, uh, Loaded. Just, we, we just, I, like I said, we just got outplayed that one game against you, Paula. And, uh, you know, they ended up winning the state championship that year, you know. If I remember correctly, I think they went undefeated. I don't. I don't think they lost. I can't remember all the details. Yeah, I believe they were and, undefeated. And, and that Michael Thomas, their run, their, their quarterback, they had. He could run that option. He could run yeah, he the does. option. Man, he could run it. They had a running back too that was phenomenal. I can't remember his name. Well, they but, had a fullback that was a pretty big guy, and then they had a little running, a little. I can't remember the running back's name either, but he was like a little scat back. He was a scat back. Yeah, to make things happen. I'll tell you one thing that I've, uh, my, my high school, my 35th year reunion is this fall. I, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing classmates. And one thing that I've done unsuccessfully for 35 years, and this is once again, one of the things that, that is T.R. Miller to me. And I used to talk to Coach Riggs about it often. I want T.R. Miller football to wear the white tube socks with the red and, and black stripes <laughs> on them so bad I can't stand it. And, uh, one of the things I was looking forward to when I got up there is getting to wear those freaking socks. <laughs> I got there, we're, we're wearing all white. No way. I remember talking to Coach Rice going into my senior year. I said, Coach Rice, I said, yeah, I showed the pictures. I said, can we wear these socks, man? These things are legit. These are the socks I want to wear. And, of course, we didn't. And then, of course, from time to time, I said, Coach Rice, I said, Coach Rice, need to bring those socks back. Need to bring those socks back. But it hadn't happened, but I'm still determined that at some point, T.R. Miller is going to wear those two socks, the red and black stripes on them. Well, see, DJ, DJ, you, you and I got some same characteristics because, you know, one, one of the reasons, it wasn't the reason, but one of the reasons I went to Bama is they wore those 
those those white suits off yeah. with those red stripes on, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also also That's the, a good helmet, reason. The, the, the helmet that they had too back then, they they wore the bike helmet. And we didn't yeah. I, I I wanted to get them so bad in high school. He wore the <laughs> Rodell helmet. I couldn't talk Coach Cotton to get one because you know, the straps, you had the straps on the top of the head, you know, where they bend yeah. up on the top of the head, and then they come down. I, I thought that was cool. That you know, the Bama guys would wear that. You know, that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I went there. I like their socks, and I like their helmet. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. Reason. That's a good reason. I'm sure Coach what? Barfield's glad to know that. Him <laughs> <laughs> and Buddy Nixon was tickled to death. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. Right? Yeah, it is. That is. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! I got I got to throw this in. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go off a, off a, off a tangent here. We're talking about you know Coach Cotton and his legacy and being um, you know one of the cornerstones of what Taylor Miller football is. You know his first um, head coaching year was 1973, and you know, the impact that you have on people, a lot of times you may never know it. Um, you may never get to see it. Sometimes, you know, the good Lord lets you see the impact you have on other people. And a little tidbit that, again, only old people from Bruton will know this. The 1973 team, which, by the way, was a phenomenal team. And where they are, where they at on the ranking? Too low. <laughs> what, what, what are they? They were like 23 or 22 or 24. I had them about five. <laughs> DJ, me and, you, DJ, me and you, should have been, you should have been the only two committee members. I'm with you on that. I'm cutting the gravy. We won't, have, we won't have any followers, but we'll get a podcast. We'll do our own podcast. <laughs> we can do it. Me and you can listen to nothing else, and, and we'll get the list the way it should be. 73 was a great football team. Great football team. But there's a tidbit of, 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 of historical information about that 73 football team. And it was Coach Cotton's first year. And he had um, he had two running backs. They were the original. You know, SMU had the Pony Express, but we had the Tiger Express. Had two running backs, Alan yeah. Baker and Jamie Riggs. Yeah. And so with a head coach and his two-star running backs, all three of them ended up being in the Alabama High School um, Coaches Hall of Fame. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Well, I've never actually thought about that, but, yeah, that is, that's, that's, that's something. And then turn around and see the impact um, that Jamie and Allen had on generations of kids. You got that right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's terrible that's that's football. That's what it you is. You got that right. Well, you, you know, know I've, always uh, thought, I've always thought that you know, Bruton is a, is a special play. And, there, and I know there's a lot of wonderful places across this country. I get it. Bruton is... is, is, is is a very special place. I, I have to believe it's unique in a lot of different ways. And, and one of the things that I've never separated, I've never separated Bruton from Bruton City Schools, specifically mm-hmm. here. I've always thought, you know, uh, the, the, the paper mill is seen as a tremendous asset to our community, and it certainly is. T.R. Miller Mill is seen as a tremendous asset to our city, and it certainly is, uh, uh, along with many other things. But when Bruton has been at his very best, T.R. Miller was at his very best. And it had people like yourselves, it had coaches, you know, like, like, and we have good coaches now. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm certainly not suggesting that. But we have, when, when our school is strong, our town is strong. And that's the way it's been. I'm 53 years old. That's the way it's been my whole life. 
Hey, DJ, you get no. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, I am. Hey, I'm lucky to be here, which will transition me into my final story that I'm going to shut up. I'm lucky to be here. And, of course, I've already told you what you guys meant to me. Well, there's one time that Greg Pendergrass from Randall Huff are going to take me fishing. And I'm out there bumping my guns, my buddy saying, yeah, Pendergrass and, 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 and Huff taking me fishing today. And, of course, they're all envious and you want me to take good notes or whatnot. We got to Huff Pine for a day of fishing. The bite's pretty slow. I can't remember if it was Randall first or if it was Greg. But I heard I heard one of them call me a jinx. They had been out there a hundred times and always load the boat up. It's never been slow like this. And I saw them looking at each other. Well, the next thing I know, they throw me in the lake. And I <laughs> no, 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 no. Time out. Time out. No. It's time the story got validated. They didn't throw you in the lake. That was Randall Wayne Huff. Sorry. No, sir. No. Great, great. You're the one that called me the jinx. You're the one that, well, you're the one that stoked the idea and said, you called me the jinx, and then y'all threw me in the lake. And yeah, I cried. I couldn't, I could barely swim. I'm sitting there and I'm fighting for my life. They get me on the, on the boat. They take me home. I walk inside. My brother said, David, what is wrong with you? And Randall and Greg are walking behind me. I said, I don't want to talk about it. They threw me in the lake. I go in there and I, and I change clothes real quick and I storm out of the house. I get on my bicycle and I don't have shoes on. I come out of the driveway, I'm going down Wilson Street, and I don't make it 20 feet, and my foot slips off the pedal, gets in the spokes, I go over the handlebars, I bite a hole in my tongue, I got a scar on my hand that I still have today, Greg, the worst wipeout I'd ever had on the, on the bicycle, I go to school the next day, and everybody said, well, how'd the fishing trip go? And I said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you, you say, DJ, you didn't take a bath? lessons you learned in that one day. You got a, you got stars on your hands, you got stars I do, yeah. on your knees and stuff. If you just take a bath, you would have cooled down, and you still be clean, but you, you would have messed yourself up. My beloved cousin, Tigard Miller graduate class of 1977, Ann Stokes, rode by and saw me laying in the road, damn near bleeding to death. She comes, comes to my aid. I was on my trusty bicycle from Western Alto to Devon Wiggins, it sold me for my birthday that that October. It was just it was just bad. It was just a bad bad day. It was a bad day. Hey, well, 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 let me ask this: Did Coach Ridge just just turn the mic on and go home or something? <laughs> I haven't heard a word. It's messed up. I'm Come still on, here, man. but I would like to tell y'all we have about five minutes left because uh, they're gonna cut me off at an hour and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> it's only been. It's been an hour and a half. I thought it'd be about fifteen minutes. Well, I've got to finish this up, guys. All right, go ahead. I got I got a clear heart. I've asked for forgiveness. It's been washed in the blood. But I won't pay you. <laughs> DJ, you got the story wrong. Randall Huff. You need to call Randall Huff tomorrow. Don't call him right now. He's already in bed. He's old. Call Randall Huff tomorrow. And he he told me Saturday he was going to confess to you that it was him that threw you in that lake. It was not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna get that opportunity there. Oh goodness, uh, Walter Greg, you quarterback the seventy-seven, seventy-eight, seventy-nine teams. 
all really good football teams. Your senior year, you had another good football team. I believe you got injured somewhere down there in the second half of the season, but uh, those were all good teams. Which of those three teams was the best football team you played on? Ooh. I ain't answering that. It's up to you, Walter. Go for it. Oh, that, that is a that is a that is a that is a tough question. Um, the '79 team. That team had the makers of had the makers of being a, a state champion as well. In my opinion, I, I was for it was, it was very very fortunate. I got hurt against Wilcox County mm-hmm. in the uh, in the uh, during homecoming. And I really feel like if if I hadn't gotten hurt during that year, we we could have had we could have won the the, the you know the, the state playoffs. But in terms of team talent and things of that nature, I think that '78 team was from a from a talent perspective had all the ingredients. I mean, you had all the ingredients, you know, to be able to to be a, a great team. You know, there, and I, I would say the '78 team was the team that 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 was the most prominent team in terms of you know sheer talent, and it, it could have gone a long way, you know, um, um, that particular year. And like I said, we got we we get, we got outplayed against Ufala, and uh, we didn't make it. But that team in '78 was a was a was a really good team, in my opinion. Well, um, I um, that was my first year in coaching. I was coaching at Winston County High School up in North Alabama. I saw y'all play twice. I saw you play. Uh, I We had an open date, and I came back to Bruton, and I rolled in there about the end of the third quarter of the Smith Station game. And so I got to see that. And then um, uh, I came the first playoff game uh, against Robertsdale down at Robertsdale. But I'll tell you this, and I said this about just that whole era, but particularly the 78 team. Uh, that was a great-looking football team. I mean, we had some players, and we had a bunch of them that looked like football players. And the, mm-hmm. the great thing, though, about T.R. Miller is we've had some outstanding teams down through the years that didn't necessarily have guys who looked like great players, but they still played right. great. I agree. And a lot of that right. has to do with the uh, what uh, the legacy that has been left there of not only – not not just the winning, but the legacy of effort that goes in. Because when those red jerseys roll out there and that TRM rolls out there, everybody knows we all playing together. We playing for one thing, and that's for TR Miller. And a lot of schools have not been able to uh, to to get their schools down through the years to be able to do that. But we have we have managed to play play with a great spirit. Can I can I ask one question? Sure. Because let me let me let me tell you something that I observed. You know, um, let's see, the Deschler game when y'all played Deschler up there, had Ronnie Gibson. Yes. I came down. I was coaching at Kentucky, and I came down and watched that game. And you know what? See, you were you were the head coach. Were you the head coach then? Who was the head coach? Yeah, then? yeah, I was the coach in nineteen ninety. Let, let, let me tell you what I saw out of that team. That team has some talent, but that team, in terms of how well that team was coached, because I, I, having coached, I understood and appreciated coaching, having known what it was about. And when I watched that team play in terms of the offense, the defense, special teams, that was a balanced team. And, and when you have a team that's that way, 
you know, to where they're taking care of business in a little way and they're putting all the little components together, you got a serious team. And that's what I saw out of that team when they played Destro that night up there in Destro. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That was a that was a really good football team. They had, we had a great season that year, and uh, uh, and it it will be one of the top twenty five football teams of T R Miller all time. I guarantee you. But yeah, guys, guys, listen, this has been great, great fun. I, I can't thank thank all of you enough uh, for being a part of this, and um, uh, I know there'll be a lot of people listening in, and uh, we need to do this more often. Talk about the history of what all's going on at T.R. Miller. So, um, again, guys, I want to want to thank y'all. Uh, this has been uh, a minute with Coach Riggs. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank y'all, guys, very much. Thanks.